Oh, I think I pressed the wrong button, Matty. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. <laughs> Maybe we need to use this one. Either works. Oh, it because it is strange new worlds. Welcome back to Making It So. This is our episode 18, and we are covering a season two, episode seven of Strange New Worlds: Those Old Scientists. I'm your host Craig, and my co-host Maddie. How you going, mate? Good, good. Great fucking episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been looking forward to this one. And they released it early. Yeah, what was the go with that? Do we? Was there any reason why? Do we know that so they sh- from Comic Con? Yeah, or? so they showed it at Comic Con, and then to avoid spoilers for everybody else, because yeah. ostensibly it was going to be the most popular episode of the season. And oh, so they showed the whole thing. They didn't just show snippets. They showed the entire thing. Yeah, wow. Well. But you know, it looked like it was a hall full of about five people. Oh, really? I saw a picture of Hall H. Ouch. Um, and there was maybe 15 people sitting in it. I was like, that looked bad. <laughs> yeah, real bad. I was like, oh. Damn. When, what, what day was it? Like, I assume Comic-Cons are like over the weekend anyway, aren't they? Haven't you been? Nope. Oh, I really thought you'd been. Maybe we'll go one year. No, not to San Diego Comic-Con or New York Comic-Con there. Blech. Las Vegas? Too many people. Isn't there one in Las Vegas as well? Uh, I don't know, but it wouldn't. I don't think it's as big as the San Diego and New York are the big, big ones. Hey, we, like we, the official ones. We've actually got a Trek convention happening in Sydney and Melbourne later this year as well. I think mm. I said it to you the other day. Ah, uh, yep, yep, yep. Be interesting. Anyway, that'll, that'll have about fifteen people at it too. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like, remember that one we went to years ago? Oh, <laughs> I tried to block it out. Ah, uh, it was it was alright. We got in for free. True. All right, so let's read the synopsis, shall we? An accident while investigating a time portal sends Ensign's Beckett Mariner and Bradwood Boimler through time from the 24th century and Captain Pike and his crew must get them back to where they belong before they alter the timeline. Written by Catherine Lynn and Bill Woolcoff and directed by number one himself, Jonathan Captain Will Riker Frakes. Riker. Yeah. Haha. <laughs> So many little good things in this episode. Mm. Uh, as I said earlier, I've been really looking forward to this one. <laughs> so, but before we go any further. Red alert. Spoilers ahead. Now, if you haven't seen this episode and you know, if you haven't, why are you listening to this now? Go fucking watch it. You've had even longer. Yeah. Like, Maddie and I would normally watch these episodes and then record straight after but because this was dropped unexpectedly and yeah. we both have jobs and lives outside of doing this we actually just watched it individually and yeah we're now recording yeah, it. yeah which is unusual if they paramount's just really really bad at planning things out and just went oh we we fucked up and didn't plan to like when we were going to start the series and end the series in regards to comic-con and then just went oh we're just going to drop two episodes this week yeah I don't, it was very much a surprise for everybody including mm. like all the dudes on youtube that talk about it it's very like it's also very counterintuitive especially for a streaming service it's like well the reason you know they drip it out a week at a time is because you're paying your subscription monthly so that's potentially one week less that someone's going to be having their paramount uh subscription well i think we've got like three maybe four weeks between the end of this season and um lower deck starting now as well yeah wow that's interesting. So maybe they just figure everyone will just keep it for that. It's only three weeks, so they've already <laughs> done the month anyway. I really liked how this episode started off with the animation. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Really, no, neither was I. It really felt like a true crossover episode in every sense of the word. I was I was very nervous going in. 
I was like, how how is this going to work? What is it going to be? In it? But it was fun. It was hella fun. Oh, it started, yeah, obviously with Boimler doing his log uh, for Kronoth B portal. And then Mariner with her, those old scientists reference from Lower Decks. I was like, this is fucking great. Straight mm. up. Tenny and Rutherford were there. Too. I was not expecting to see them. Obviously, we didn't get to see them in live action. Yeah. but Which is weird because I feel like Rutherford's uh, voice actor, I think, could almost pass for Rutherford. So content. Um, so good Tendi as well. I'm not familiar with... I guess, yeah, Painter Up Green. But I'm, yeah, I'm not familiar. I just know... I know um, Rutherford's actor from The Good Place. Okay. Yeah, I know well, him from there. I so. think they... I th- it must have been a deliberate thing that they've done to make them all look very similar on... Like, to their characters. So they can do stuff like this. Well, it is also one of those things they do now where TV shows get cancelled if you don't have voice actors who look like the characters. That oh, yeah. They them. did that with The Simpsons, didn't they? With... Yeah. Uh, was it Apu, was it? Yeah. And... um. Big Mouth as well. There was actually that actress that stepped down. It's weird. There was there was a character who was... And then you get Family Guy who was just like, I don't give a fuck. We're just going to keep doing what we do. No, no. Um, no? Uh, Mike Henry uh, stepped down the voice of Cleveland. Yeah, that was a white guy. And oh, he, was it? And he, he stepped down as well and they got some... But the guy who does the, the, the new Cleveland, pitch perfect. Like oh, Apu, okay. you can kind of hear it, it's different, but um, the new Cleveland is... Have they got a guy in a wheelchair that plays Joe or... <laughs> well, they could. They, they don't go that far. They could break what's his name's legs, I guess. No, it was it was interesting. There was um the the weirdest one I find is there was a there was a character from Big Mouth, uh, and she was half African American, half like white Jewish. And the a- actress they got to play her was Jewish, and but she was like, oh, I don't feel comfortable anymore. Because I'm just like thinking big, over that mix of races in my head. Yeah, it was it was just it was just this it was just this little black girl who like the the, the animated character was this little black girl who didn't know anything about her, like, African-American uh, culture and, and heritage. She was very much just, like, this, that stereotypical Jewish person, um, but looked African-American and didn't know how to, you know, style her hair the right way and things like that. So once they started exploring that aspect of it, the actress, who was a white Jewish girl, just went, yeah, no, I don't feel comfortable anymore. So they, yeah, then they recast and got a black actress in. Yeah, right. in. So kind of reminds me of uh, one of my mates that I used to work with. His dad was a Muslim and his mum... So he was from Egypt and his mum was a Polish Jew and they were together. Like, yeah, wow. Yeah, very like polar opposite mix. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Far out. Anyway, so they beamed down to the planet with Mariner in charge of all people because, mm. you know, like she really wanted that job too for some reason. I have a hot take on Mariner. Oh, I can go. She Hit is so much less annoying when she's live action. Well, I, I cannot stand. I think it's one of the reasons why I haven't connected as much with Lower Decks as much as I'd like to is I find Mariner so grating and so annoying and so, like, she. it feels like she doesn't belong, which I know is part of her character. Yeah, exactly. Be there. Yeah. But then seeing the actress in live action, I'm like, this is the Mariner that I want. She's just like, I feel like maybe it's the... The um the vocal directors for Lower Decks seem to be encouraging her to do everything at a ten. Like, I mean that's that's the great part about animation is it's like um I think because Lower Decks is only twenty minute episodes as well, and they sort of make fun of it in this episode. They talk much faster. No, no, that's that's fine. It's it's the level she's talking at. So um I mean that's like I was about to say that's one of the greatest things about animation is um, the the 90s Batman cartoon is one of the greatest examples in the way that Kevin Conroy could voice 
could put so much emotion into his voice because he could physically with his face do things to convey emotion, but then they would just animate Batman with no expression on his face and you would feel it all in the voice. Whereas with... What's the actress's name that plays um, Mariner? Uh, oh, now you have tested me out. <laughs> I remember her T- from Tawny Space Newsom. Tawny That's Newsom. Right. I remember her from Space Force. She was in Space Force as well. Yes. Um, yeah, she's really good in that too. So I feel like when when she's voice acting, I, I'm, I'm going to chalk it up to... Yeah, the, the voice directors and the, and the voices. She's always like this and she's talking in a tan all the time and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then they're just animating her talking normally. And I think that's one of the reasons that puts me off her so much is everything feels fake. Whereas when I was watching her in live action, I was like, fuck, I really like this person. I want to know I want to know this, Mariner. Oh, really? Because there was more light and shade in what she was doing and there was more the little asides where she was like oh my god how hot is Spock and like Spock is so hot and yeah. and, and like the the pin up moment with her and Una and she's like are we are we saying the same thing like I don't get that level like the, those peaks and valleys oh, I think it's that there. I do with Mariner because her voice is just at a 10 all the time um, so I'm really hoping this Mariner we see a bit more in Lower Decks further to come but I don't think we will because even the even the animated bits at the beginning and the end of Mariner, she was back to animated Mariner. And I was like, no, I want live action Mariner. <laughs> I would really like to see maybe some sort of a, like another time travel thing in Lower Decks where people from Strange New Worlds go to the oh, Lower Decks universe. Interesting. It did very much give me vibes of, and I kind of started doing the math and I was like, oh no, it doesn't even work out for that is it felt very much like those 30th anniversary episodes that DS9 and Voyager did, like for the 30th anniversary yep. of Star Trek. That's what this felt like. If, if you told me this was an anniversary episode, I'd be like, yeah, of course. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, mate, like, as I've said, and I'm going to keep saying it, I absolutely loved this episode. And I don't know if that's more because of the hype of the episode or to me it's more just because of the effort that they went to with it. And Jonathan Frakes directed it as well. Mm, yeah, no, that was a nice touch. And Tawny Newsom herself... She is, and Jack Quaid, they're both Star Trek fans Mm. as well. So I think that really helped. And there was a lot of ad-libbing that they did too. Yeah, I did hear that the um, the Riker was an ad-lib by Jack Quaid. Yes, and because, you know, we've basically had, what, five or six days or five days between actually watching it and recording this, I've found as much stuff that I can on it. And I'm like, oh. And I even got a chance to watch... uh, the Ready Room show as well. Oh, yep. Yep. That, that was really good because they had um, they had Riker and Tony Newsom and Jack Quaid on it. Yeah, I saw. I saw, just saw the sort of 30-second bit on TikTok because I'm much younger than you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, then, yeah, saying how the... How the um, Hang on, when's your birthday? September? I'm like a full month younger than you, buddy. When's so your birthday? September. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. like a full, I'm full month. Just this young, hip um, TikToker over here. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where I saw the bit with them talking about how the rocket bit was um, improvised and um, pretty spot on. Anyway, so when they beam down to the planet, um, they discovered that portal there, but with the Orions, and apparently Tendi's great-grandmother yeah, mm. was on the ship that you know, discovered this portal, which you know, was... That was good. It was a little sort of a thread that they threw in there. Yeah, and it's it's kind of interesting. It's a it's almost also like a meta commentary on how Trek has changed to um, reflect modern day society, as it always does. Like it's always been, but it just kind of reminds like there's the whole scene where 
Tendy's like, oh, it's it's offensive for you to assume that all Orions are pirates. pirates. Yeah. But then it takes me back to the original series where like, I haven't seen the whole episode, but I've seen clips where it's like, for some reason, Abraham Lincoln is on the bridge of the Enterprise and he calls a her like a Negro or a Negress or something like that. <laughs> and that. and like no one reacts or or something. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. And she's just like, why would I be offended by a word? And there's this whole thing where it's like, in this time frame, we don't get offended by words, blah, 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 blah. Because that was that was um, Gene's like way to just be like, words Whatever. are... Words, Sticks and stones, or yeah. That. Words only have the power that you give them. Yeah. So if it's there's true. if there's no intent behind, no malicious intent behind it, say whatever you want. That was his kind of vision of the future, but obviously this is kind of had to be twenty twenty three a little bit, and um, yeah, Tenny gets offended at the idea that um, even even though technically we find out at the end, well, there aren't really Orion scientists. That was all a bluff. Oh, yeah. So Maybe this is where Orion scientists sh- begin. <laughs> she's getting a, she's getting offended when her mother was, her grandmother was a pirate. So, well, and as we know, uh, Tendi can do some pirating. We've seen it in mm. Lower Decks. <laughs> but, you know, you got to give it to her. She's also a hell good scientist as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I liked this as well where they said that the portal's got some feronium in it. Mm. Which then they were like, oh, that was used in the NX classes. Mm. So that is, comes back later. Is that a thing? Is that, um, do you just. Oh, I can't remember if they specifically said yeah, that right. or not. Like, that's a very. Like, I've seen Enterprise maybe four or five times through. Yeah. And I don't remember that, but yeah, it's entirely possible. Like, it's one of those tiny little references. Yeah, gotcha. But I remember um, uh, one of the few uh, conventions that I went to. I did go to one in, in the States uh, and I participated. It was a Star Trek event. It was the first time I met, oh, first time, only time I met Kate Mulgrew. Uh, and there was a, um, a trivia contest. So it was an entire room of like thousands of people. And you kind of just, they just ask a question, you have to put your hand up. And it got, it must have been what, 2006, I suppose. So Voyager ended. Oh, in yeah. Like, it was Voyager ended in like 2001. It was just after I joined the army. I remember you going. Yeah. And one of the questions was like, um, and this just goes to show you how much Star Trek I watch. Um, <laughs> someone goes, okay, so when uh, Q brings his son uh, to, to Voyager, um, he turns him into a what? Ami- turn, turns him into what? And an amoeba? Yeah. yeah. And, but that it's a something amoeba. And people who hand up, hand up. And this is before you could Google shit on your phone as well. This is like 2006. <laughs> and I let it go. I let <laughs> we were it go. all still on, uh, what was that one with Tom? Uh, as your friend? Oh, uh, MySpace. MySpace. Everyone was still yeah. on MySpace back then. I never then. had a MySpace. <laughs> um, and then I let it go, let it go. And I was like, nah, someone will get it for me. And then it was like four or five people had to go. No, no, and you no. Were like, bang. And I kind of put my hand on it and I went, a Prelian amoeba? Mm. <laughs> and, I, and someone went, out the, like the, the, the host went, correct. And I heard like physical like... <gasps> Like from the audio, people <laughs> going, how did he get that? And I'm just like, oh no, now I've kind of embarrassed myself. <laughs> <laughs> I just have this knowledge. I uh, noted that. So yeah, there's just random words like that that just stick in my head. So yeah, right. Now, that's why I wondered if that particular one had stuck out. Now, Feronium didn't, uh, yeah, sort of hang with me, but yeah, it's possible. Like now, I really, I'm gonna rewatch it all again and see if I can. <laughs> you could just Google it. Yeah, but there's no fun. Good old, good old memory alpha helps. Uh, out memory lot. alpha is good. Yes, helps out a lot. But then Boimler stands in the portal and Rutherford takes out a hollow imager, which is you know Look, we saw a lot of them in. Uh, that is the only Voyager 
Easter egg I spotted in this whole oh, episode. Oh, really? There's more. Oh, good. Because I saw a lot. Of, I heard a lot of DS9, ref- a lot of DS9 references, a few next gens. But I'm like, where's the Voyager love? I need some more Voyager <laughs> love here. That was one of the, and I mean, that was a like a, a non-verbal one. That was just a little physical thing. But I actually had that. So that, I mean, famously, I guess the doctor is the one who used it the most mm. as the Hollywood It's actually a re- remote control car controller. Okay. Yeah, and I had one. I had I had this old remote control car, and I actually had that physical remote. And for the longest time, I was going to convert it into a hollow imager, and I just just never got to just it. Never got to it. Decided against it. But then the hollow imager, because it puts out some sort of radiation, it activates mm. the portal. And then, as Bradwood's going through the portal, he's like, "Remember me!" <laughs> as he gets sucked in, and that's a reference to an episode of the Next Generation. Oh, is it? Where yeah, um, Beverly, she's like getting sucked through something. Mm. As well, I can't remember exactly what it was, but yeah, she's like, "Remember me." Oh, <laughs> is that the one where like the ship suddenly like keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller? Like, it might have been. I don't. I, can't, I really can't. But I, I think, do distinctly I think remember the name it, of that episode hey. is "Remember Me." It probably is actually. <laughs> I I just I remember certain things about Next Generation, um, but it's very hard for me to assign episode names to them. But then he gets spat out on the other side in, you know. Strange New Worlds time. Three dimensions. In three dimensions. And yeah. Mm. Turns he's it not a cartoon. He sees Spock, Lahan, and Una and then passes out. <laughs> yeah. The opening credits were a very, very... F- I wasn't expecting them to go full no, animated I, opening credits. And there was a point. couple of little Easter eggs in there. I don't know if you noticed I saw it. that, yeah. Like the little... Um, like the, the, the space n- monster. like The nacelle slug. Grab, yeah. Um, and did you notice at the end of the opening sequence there... As it's like, um, stra- says like strange new worlds. It had the cosmic koala there as well. Weird. What is that? Oh, so that's been referenced a few times in Lower Decks, actually. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that at all. So, do you remember the episode of Lower Decks where there's the guy that's trying to ascend? Yeah. So as he's ascending, yeah, and going through all that pain and stuff, he can see this cosmic koala. Oh my! There's God. a couple of other references to it as well. I, I, as soon as I saw it, I lost it. Hey, well, I had to pause it. In my head, I'm going, I'm going. I've seen that before somewhere. What is that? And I, and then I realized what I'm thinking of is from American Dad. There's like a CIA agent who's had his body, like he's he's done a mind swap with a koala, so he's like a full like CIA agent. In a koala's body, and I'm like, oh, okay. No, I'm thinking of American Dad. No, no, no. Um, no. So, strange new world. There's several references yeah, wow. to the cosmic koala throughout Lower Decks, as well. Have a look on uh, Memory wild. Alpha; it's on there as well. Wild. So I, I thought that was great, and then it says directed by Jonathan Frakes as well, and yeah. I was like, yes, this is going to be good. Well, even then, I was like, he's done some episodes of Discovery that were a bit a bit off, so I was I was curious to see how this would go, but I was very um, pleasantly surprised. So. He obviously directed it, but the the animated stuff Mike McMahon actually yeah. did is uncredited though. Yeah, no, I just mean I rem- I specifically remember very early on it might have been the first episode of Discovery that Jonathan Frakes ever directed, and I was like, if anything's gonna get me, I was struggling. And I think it was maybe end of season one. Yeah, well, he wasn't working two. with Clay there; he was working with Dog Turds. <laughs> but I remember I remember struggling with the show, and I'm like, if anything's gonna get me into the show, it's gonna be a Jonathan Frakes directed episode. But there's this one shot he does where he starts on like a panel on the wall, but the camera is like upside down. So you're looking at the panel on the wall upside down and then the camera like then flips all the way over, like looking at the ceiling all the way across and then picks up with people in a corridor. And it's one of the worst shots in Star Trek (laughs) I've ever seen. And I was like, Jonathan, what are you doing? (laughs) Why are you doing this to us? Yeah. 
So I every time I hear that something's directed by Jonathan Frakes, I'm like, something new. I'm like, Ugh. like I wasn't worried when I knew he was going to direct an episode of Picard because I'm like, well, that's just him and his friends. He'll be fine. Yeah. But yeah, so when I heard he was going to be directing this one, I was like, I guess we'll wait and see because he hasn't directed any other episodes of Strange New Worlds yet, has he? Um, I, Oh, and I think he might have actually in the okay. first season. I think he did. I'll double check that. Yeah, I wasn't sure at the time frame, obviously because he directed a few in... Picard season three and maybe even season two. And I know like they were obviously filmed at the same time. So I wasn't sure if that was happening the same time as Strange New Worlds and whether there was, he might not have been available or whatever, but I hadn't, hadn't done my research. So after the credits, it opens with uh, Pike's captain's log, right? And then Una and him have got the, the Delta in their hand and they're like pressing it and, you know, they flip it over and they're like, oh, the best part of, having like a communicator is flipping it open. <laughs> like I never, ever had a flip phone, but you did. I had several. So it's like, fun. I don't know. Yeah. The I, best part with those though, with flip phones is ending the call. It's, oh, it's just snap. The snap closed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do remember um, watching a special feature, God, years and years and years ago now. And the reason when Gene Roddenberry um, did the next generation and why he changed from the flip communicators to the comm badges on the chest is that was supposed to reflect what was happening in modern times, like in the 80s, which was your army and I guess even police officers at that point, they had the walkie-talkie like strapped to the top of their chest as a way to just sort of... And he's like, okay, well, this is going to be the modern interpretation of that. Yeah, okay. So it's him kind of changing with the times and going, well, obviously between original series and next generation in world, he's like, well, technology has to advance. So mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to do. Um yeah, so I, I did like the fact that they were sort of poking fun at that and going, well, I wonder that. I thought it was funny when Boimler woke up and he thought it was a holodeck. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird, though, because he's like, he like touches Pike first. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, to make sure he's real. But it's like, well, if he was a hologram, you'd be able to touch him. <laughs> like, that's. But that, yeah. I, I always want him to go computer and holodeck thing. And then when it has been, then reach out and touch, because it's. I thought it was really random that during that scene, Una was standing off to the side, like in the background doing something as well. Like I thought she would have been there, but just it for makes that moment. sense. Yeah. For that moment at the yeah. end. But Mbenga, he didn't get to really say much at all. He was just sort of standing there and he looked a bit confused yeah. about what was going on. Yeah. I, I guess we know now why he wasn't in this episode. Cause we know next week he was, uh, had a lot to do, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, even in the animated thing at the end, like he just had that one line mm. as an animated character as well. So. Uh, yes. So that, yeah, his boots, Boimler's boots, they've got the little, like the Starfleet Deltas on the they, bottom. They, they, they nailed everything. The one thing apart on the uniform though, the animated one, the white stripe is up a little bit higher and it's not in line with the bottom of their armpits like the um, live action version was. But I really liked the way it yeah, looked. Yeah, I, I remember when I first saw the images, I was like, because I, yeah, I don't like the Lower Decks costume. Like I, I hate the boots. I hate the white stripe. Um, I hate the... It looks a lot better live action. I hate the colour stripe where like the tunic would open. Mm-hmm. I hate the colour stripe coming all the way down there, accentuating the the gap in the yeah, in okay. the uniform. Like there's so many things I don't like about it. And when I saw it in live action, I was like, I don't hate it as much. I think they were very clever by not making the the top shoulder piece like black black. Yep. Like like a like a next generation or Voyager era um, costume. They kind of it was almost like a really deep purpley kind of color or you know gray something like that. Mentioning purpley though. Well, no one in this episode mentioned Boimler's purple hair. They were just like, "That's eh, fine." <laughs> when are we going to talk about it? Just yeah, you know, normal. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, no, you're right. I remember when I first saw the, the first images of the costume, I went, oh, that the sort of shoulder section is very large. So yeah, I think it would have been uh, would have been better just even an inch, you know, just a little bit higher. I think would have been better. But I guess it's that just trying to convert. I mean, they did a fantastic job. Oh yeah. But when they originally spoke about doing like an animated, like bringing them over to live action, I was like, how are they going to do Boimler's hair? And like, mm. is it going to look ridiculous? But it what it didn't look ridiculous. No, at you kind of don't even notice it. It kind of yeah. blends in. Yeah, it, it was very dark purple, not as. Yeah, like obviously in the cartoon, it's yeah. much more noticeable as purple. But even Mariner's hair come through quite well as well. Yeah, obviously she naturally has much more hair. Oh yeah. So like the ponytail was oops, sorry, the ponytail was uh, much larger, um, but it looked it looked good on her. Um, and I guess you could also say it's like well, the Orions you see in live action are typ- typically the green is much darker than Tendi. Like, you've never really seen an Orion as light-skinned as as Tendi. In my head canon, I'm putting that down to her being from a different area of the planet, like how we've got, like, white people well, no, and I'm, brown I'm people. Just, I'm just saying, like, if 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 we saw her in live action, it probably wouldn't. they probably wouldn't completely colour match that green mm, of maybe. the animation. They would maybe go a little bit darker to match in with, um, with the other Orions and stuff like that. But, yeah, that super-duper dark green on Tendi probably wouldn't look great in every episode. No, I think... Probably that, because there's that, you know, the, the black on the costume as well would be, it'd be a lot to work with. So it's just much, obviously much brighter and and, uh, and dynamic in the animation. And I guess, you know, being green as well, like going with green screens, you've got to make it look a bit darker, to, otherwise it would not work properly. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they, uh, Boimler says he's pro- from approximately 120 years from the future. And then he freaks out when he sees Una. I'm like, why is he freaking out about Una? Yeah. That was a great little run through the whole episode. Because yeah. obviously we as an audience are like, well, yeah, we don't know what happens to Una. Well, we if don't... you go back and watch it again as mm. well, at the start when they're animated and they're near their bunks, you can see that poster. I assume so. Because that's not something we've seen in Lower Decks no. proper, is it? So, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming they would have um, set that up. But, yeah, it's like as an audience, we don't know what happens to Una? Like, obviously, that's going to be one of the big things to, for the end of Strange New Worlds is what happened to Una, you know? Um, so, yeah, I like that Lower Decks are kind of hanging a lantern on that and playing with that. And then you think it's like, oh, you know, Boimler and, and Mariner know what happens to her. Yeah, I thought maybe it was like and his then, wank poster or something. <laughs> well, I knew it wouldn't be that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, then when you find out that it's just um, a poster and she's like the... The poster the po- girl the, the, the for poster girl for stuff. That's pretty fun. I, I I really liked as well how it had Ad Astra Perispera on it. I got a bit teary when I heard that. Really? Yeah, it was. Uh, that's one of the reasons I really liked this episode is because at the start of the episode, it was just so much fun. Like, it was just goofy fun, and I forgot how fun Star Trek can be. Um, but then at the end, it just kind of hit me with a couple of gut punches at the end with some really poignant moments. Like, you know, the conversation that uh, Pike had about his father and all those kind of things. That was like a real like, oh, mm. that was really well done. And then, yeah, just the, it was the, it was the look on Una's face when she found out that she's like, oh my God, they used my, the phrase that I always reference, you know? Yeah, like, um, despite this being a comedy episode, there were some great like people moments in it. In yeah. It. Like, and things that have meaning to Star Trek fans. Yeah. It was yeah. great. They, they set it up and then the payoff worked. Mm. Yeah. Um, I like how Lahan is reviewing temporal protocols with Boimler. And then she throws in like her own little bit, obviously like referencing 
her mm. episode a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And then Boimler's talks about wharf sign. I'm like, what the hell is that? Talks about what? Wharf sign. He says something about wharf sign. And oh, I thought he said he, like he swears by wharf or something. Oh, something like that. Yeah. yeah. It was something along those lines. And he was like, oh, and he's like, whatever. Mm. Let it go. Boimler in the conference room, just touching everything, touching the saddle. Yeah. Yeah. Then he does the Riker maneuver with the whole leg to get on it, which you mentioned. I thought that was great. That was ad libbed Mm. as well. Mm. Like, so Jack Quaid was like, ha, I'm going to do this because he's right here in the room watching me, directing me. So that was brilliant. Uh, And they kept it in the episode, which was excellent. Mm. Then, yeah, he meets Uhura. So he thought that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Mariner obviously really likes Uhura. And I did like, and it's funny, like I spoke last week with Uhura about how off-putting and weird she's been Well, she's only 22. Like, she's really new. Yeah, but I just mean, like, as a viewer, I'm like, like, I know that there's supposed to be character progression, but this whole season, um, Uhura has been quite unlikable. Um, And I said last week, I was like, I really hope that after everything she went through last week, we start to see her turn into the Uhura that we know. Mm. And this episode did that. Like they started, you know, do, and I'm like, oh, good. Excellent. Okay. I like to see this. This is good. We're, we're getting some of this character progression. Um, and hopefully she's going to just lighten up a little bit and become the Uhura that we know. Yeah. I, I like to think that because like Boimler is such like a fan of like these people, as well. He's like a Star Trek fan. Like, imagine if you mm. and I were... Like, imagine if for some, somehow you ended up getting beamed up into the bridge of Voyager and it was a real thing. Yeah. You'd be acting very similar to the way he was here. Like, it's... Oh, yeah. He's very much yeah. a fan. Yeah, and they did, they did pay that off later in the episode when you've got Uhura and Erica. Yes. Sort of referencing um, their idols from the NX-01. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a really good... We'll get to that. So w- when they beam down to the planet, um, he, they've got the TS-120 tricorder and apparently that's less likely to explode. And that caused a bit of a hang on. What's going on here? Why would they explode type of look? That did very much remind... Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that's got to be a, a reference to an episode of the yeah. original series or something like that. But it did give me flashbacks to um, uh, The Trouble with Tribbles when Dax is just like fawning over the old style mm. tricorders. She's like... Classic finish. Then Spock laughs and Boimler's like, oh no. Like, he's basically thinking, I've broken something here in the timeline. Spock was creepy as hell in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so wrong. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll so get to wrong. it. So uh, wrong. Anyway. Yeah, he thinks it's weird. And then uh, the transported... Sorry. Yeah, the, tr- the transported up as the Orions warp into the system. So, what did you think of the Orion ship? Didn't really see much of it. I, I it was rec- a very interesting design. I recognize that design from Eagle Moss. They do a version of yes. that ship that doesn't really do much for me. So yeah, it was. Oh, what, what's a good way of like? It looks like a big bit of like seaweedy stuff, really, <laughs> to me. Oh, I always just think of like the wagon wheel with all the little dots yeah, on it. It could be that too. Anyway, when Boimler walks into the bridge of the Enterprise, like. You, you, I, I just felt like I was there as well, like seeing the bridge of the Enterprise for the first time. That gave me the moment I wanted last week when we saw Kirk walk onto the bridge. I mean, obviously, in in world, you don't want Kirk to react like that when he walks onto the bridge. No. But we want to, as a viewer, we want to 
be like Boimler was when he walked on seeing Kirk. Well, like we want that moment. Mm. So yeah, I kind of like the fact that we got that moment sort of this way instead. And then he, he says NCC 1701 dash nothing. And like Laan and like, what comes after the dash? Yeah. Like, cause they've obviously never had anything like that. No. So, which was cool. I thought that was great. Very, uh, very awesome. Um, yeah. Ortegas. Yeah. I was talking about you're a war hero. Uh, L- Lieutenant Ortegas, you're a war hero. Why did I write that down? Um, Boimler said something about that to her. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. Saying that she's a war hero and obviously mm. we, we kind of know that, but is there something else coming later on where she's more of a war well, she, hero? She got some good character progression in this episode. Mm. It was great. Like, I mean, obviously there was the moment where it's like, oh, you know, of course of all the people on the NX01, she's going to fawn over. It's going to be Mayweather. I'm like, oh, fucking hell, these fucking pilots, man. <laughs> um, it's like, it's the only thing they have going on. Um, but I did like, yeah, sort of that moment where we get a little bit of history about that, even just a little, just a little snippet. And then obviously then just later on when she's just hanging around in the bar with Ahura and, and Mariner, it's like, yes, this is the stuff that I've been wanting all season. I've been wanting some just, just I want to get to know Erica as a, I, I, I feel like I know Lieutenant Ortegas now. Let me get to know Erica, you know, I want, and I got it in this episode. It was, yeah, it was only a little bit, but it was enough. I just want, I want that much. In every episode, every episode, I want a little bit more. Just give of us her. a little. A little I'd bit still like her, to see like an episode which is more focused on her. Absolutely, but, yeah. yeah. I don't. We're not going to get it this season. No, by the looks of it. But yeah, hopefully next season. No, yeah, because we know what next week is. Then there's the musical episode. I, look, I'm holding out I'm hope that that's s- actually going to be alright. I'm going to be so drunk for that one. It's the only thing I'm going to make it through it. Uh, <laughs> I'll, and then, I'll get the spare bed ready. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, and then we'll have the finale. So. Um, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, A, the show, has the show been picked up for season three yet? Yeah. It has. Okay, well, hopefully. I'm just putting it, come on, anyone involved in that show, give us an Erica-centric episode. You yeah. you blue-balled us this, this season with that one where she was all excited to go on the away mission and then last minute was like, ah, no, take your hat <laughs> off, you idiot. <laughs> so we better get an Erica-specific um, episode next season. I like how Boimler convinces uh, Pike that the Orion vessel is actually a science vessel, but like... <laughs> We know that it's not. <laughs> I thought that was great. And then it really fucking backfired on them because they beamed up the portal and warped away. Yeah. Like, who does that? Pirates do that. That's yeah, who do that. exactly. So, uh, Una and Pike are starting to talk about, like, why Boimler is being, like, an excited toddler. I thought that was funny. But, yeah, it was just, he was just, you know, fanboying out. Yeah, because these are the, the his heroes essentially, and it it tracks for his character as well. Mm, like yeah. if, if if it was Harry Kim who had gone back and popped up in this episode as Ensign Kim from you know twenty three seventy three or something like that, and he was acting like that, you'd be like, bro, calm down. Mm. But for Boimler, it one hundred percent tracks. So Ortegas and Chapel when they meet Boimler in the bar on the ship. They're acting all like flirty and leaning in and everything. You and reckon? Yeah, it was it was like just to try and get information out of him and just oh, mess with him. I didn't get any flirtiness. Oh, out I of did. Whatsoever. Especially from the way Chapel was leaning and everything as well. It was a little bit flirtiness to and because he's such an awkward dude as well. He was like, ah, like there's girls oh, near me. I just I just took it as they were trying to get information out of him. Yeah, and, and, he, and he was nervous because he didn't want to like step on a butterfly and change the well change that too. The past. I didn't get any sexual tension out of that at all from well, anybody. It, it wasn't like, it was just like them just being 
like these sexy girls trying to like Mate. use their women powers. No. Nah. You need to you need to check your male privilege at the door. <laughs> not not every girl who talks to a guy wants mm. to fuck him or wants to flirt with him just get information. Hey. Hey. Fucking Kirk last week with uh, Uhura. Uhura That's Kirk. is the other way. Kirk is the man whore of <laughs> <laughs> the galaxy. But hey, we got to see two Andorians. Yes, well, they, they almost look like twins. I mean, that could be racist. Oh, just it was almost like a glitch in the Matrix. The way they're wearing the exact same uniform, they kind of look this. It was a wide shot, so you can get. They sort of all a, a wear the same uniform. <laughs> but no, they're both in red uniforms. We didn't have one in a, in a yellow or anything like that. Mate, I'm just picking up all your fucking racism right here, right now. I guess if one of them was wearing like a like a Mbenga costume, it might have looked like he was naked from the waist up. <laughs> so, but yeah. I've been saying it all along that I want to see some Andorians on the ship and we finally get to see two. Yeah, just a, just a glitch in the Matrix. Yeah. Just, I, was just like, I was like, yes, thank like you. A, like a double mint gum commercial, just two of them walking past. And then Boimler mentions Pike's birthday, which is on Friday, which who remembers that? But then again, apparently it's a public holiday. Yeah. Like I, who realised that they had public holidays in, in their space? Yeah, that tracks. Yeah, well, I know like you have like Captain Picard Day and stuff like on the Enterprise mm. D, but like... You know, Pike's well, no, birthday. isn't um, didn't they say in maybe one of the films or something like that that like Zephram Cochran's no maybe it was in Enterprise like Zephram Cochran's birthday is a holiday or something like that as yeah, well. Yeah, well, that tracks. That does. Like, yeah, well, that just shows you the level that Pike is on. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Yeah. Mm. When Spock meets Chapel, he smiles. Like it's just so off-putting seeing Spock smile. Like. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then Boimler talks to Chapel about Spock being different and. Boimler really puts his foot in it there. Hey, mm. it, like you could see that, like that pain from Chapel. Like, oh, he's not going to be like this, and they're not going to be together. Yeah, and I think, I think that was one of the few missteps they made in this episode. Like, I really liked that moment, and in a way, in that moment, I went, oh, that's why um, Majel's um, Chapel was always just having these little just like knowing glances when she would look at Spock, like that was never really addressed in the original series. I'm like, oh, this is why she she knows like this is this is him. She's seeing the Spock that Boimler was talking about. That was really good. I think the only misstep is there was no real resolution to it in the end of the episode. Like she no, didn't, they're, they're she didn't, still, she didn't still break together. up with them. They're still together. She seemed to... I just, think she just, just accepts Spock for... Just accept and move on um, off screen. Like, mm. it's later when Boimler and Spock are, like, doing their little experiment. Spock talks about, oh, you know, um, Ch- uh, Chapel told me what was going on. But we don't see Chapel for the rest of the episode until she's, like, in 2D getting drunk at the end of the episode. So it's a little bit devastating for that character to know that for the rest of her life, like, well, the rest of her relationship with Spock, she knows it has an expiration date. Which just have fun, girl. But yeah, it's just like I just wanted a, a, a moment for us as an audience to see her process that. So maybe we'll get that by the end of the season. I don't know. But it was just this weird little thread that was left behind with Chapel that was kind of picked up and run with by Spock. But I'm like, well, that doesn't service Chapel as a character well. Like we, we see Spock for the next 50 odd years showing up everywhere. We don't. We're not going to get to spend a lot of time with Chapel. No. So we, we only we only get her for this for this show, presumably. So I'm like, I really wish that conversation that Boimler had with Spock about it all 
we got a resolution with Chapel instead. Yeah. But uh, we'll see how it goes. You know, yeah, I just we'll see yeah, we'll see what happens by the end of the season maybe. Apparently Boimler knows how to track the Orion ship and he has to do something underneath the console which they all couldn't see. I f- <laughs> I it was funny. I feel like if I was in a different mood, I would have rolled my eyes so hard at that scene. <laughs> but it was just so goddamn charming. Yeah. The way Una is just like No, we can't can we? <laughs> and then they're all just standing over there. And I think the, the point that brought it back for me was when you cut to Boimler and he's under the console wrapped up in wires and he just has that one leg like up in this weird <laughs> angle. And I'm like, that is 100% animated Boimler. Yeah. And so I was super impressed. I think I forgot any issues I may have had with that by just being super impressed that Jack Quaid would go to that level of authenticity to be like, well, yeah, like that just shows like that type of actor he is. Yeah, as well. and he's like, well, well, Boimler in the animated show, we would do that. We would have his leg because I, I swear we've seen him in poses like that where he's he's always you know his legs in weird yeah, positions, definitely. which pays off. Like you don't even think about it in animation, but it's very hard to do things in animation and have them pay off in live action. But it was just such a quick thing that I bought it straight away. And I'm like, yeah, that is. This is Boimler. This is Boimler from the animated show. And it just, it was just a really nice melding of bringing things together to make everything feel much more believable. And that it w- this wasn't some kind of just weird Elseworlds everyone's v- going to forget. Because that was my concern too, is uh, so many shows when there's time travel involved, it's like by the end of the episode, everybody has amnesia. Yeah, no, they- and they didn't do that here. And yeah, I, so I, I really respect the way they did that. If you like uh, like Jack Quaid in this and you don't know for some random reason, he's actually in the TV show The Boys as well. Yes. Um, plays excellent character in that. Mm. Not as not anywhere near as funny as this. A bit more serious, but still quite funny in that as well. So, yeah. And I'm assuming that most of you listening to this have probably seen The Boys. So it might be the random one or two. Yeah, of you I feel like it. the overlap between... Star Trek fans and boys fans would be um, pretty ubiquitous. Anyway, so yeah, they they warp to the Orions and then they uh, Pike talks to them, and apparently Tendy's grandmother is on that ship. So, which was really cool. That was great. And he asks the Orions to put the portal back, right? But then the Orions are like, "Well, we need something in exchange if we're going to do this." Mm. So, what do they do? All of the grain that they were carrying for some random planet they gave Ah, to them not so random planet that was something that i picked up on okay so they spoke about setlick 2 now uh o'brien is the the champ the warrior whatever of setlick 3 okay setlick 3 was where um starfleet was at war with uh the cardassians remember that episode there's another cardassian reference in this episode too i know and i don't like it um (laughs) uh the the episode uh, from Next Generation, um, remember where where O'Brien meets his old captain from the Rutledge or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and he's like going around destroying Cardassian outposts, and then they like sing a song at the end, and then everyone's fine. Yep, that was set like set like three, ah, okay. and then it's brought up again in Deep Space Nine when um, Garrick is crazy on uh, Empok Nor. Um, yeah, the massacre of set like three and stuff like that. So. I guess in my brain, I always thought Setlik was a Cardassian system, but it appears to be a Federation system because I did look it up and uh, Pike does reference it as early as like the pilot where, um, remember the pilot with that weird 
uh, that weird planet that kind of had some some leftover technology from the battle from Discovery, and yep. we had to. Get when you see that on a star chart, when they showed up a star chart, they showed the Setlick system as well. So originally I was like, oh, this is weird because we shouldn't be anywhere near Cardassian space at this point. No. We shouldn't know anything about Cardassians, but A, I guess it's fine if Setlick is a Federation system because then the Cardassians 100 years later have come this far and we were having planet skirmishes with them. But then alluding to what you said a minute ago, we do see Uhura's... Um, pad and it scrolls past and says Cardassian and Bajoran. Bajoran. And I'm like, no. So my head canon is you can't, they must have heard of the Cardassians and the Bajorans and potentially met another race that's met them and got their languages for her pad. That That's my head canon. Uh, yeah, I feel like that, that's how I justified it to myself. Something like that, I think, has to be, you have to say that, I think, because that's. It could be, given that Bajoran and Cardassian, like if that ended up being a Bajoran or a Cardassian um, monument, okay, they could have put that moment in there. It ended up being Norsican, so it didn't matter. So I know they were throwing in the Cardassian and the Bajoran just as an Easter egg for us nerds, but I'm like, we haven't, it, based on that timeline, technically this time I think would be pre-occupation. Yes. Because yeah, it's it like, be. it was like, I mean, the occupation did change timeline a few times, but it was like you typically it's like between seventy and ninety years was how long the yeah, occupation. Yeah, so probably about for. twenty, thirty years, maybe. Yeah, so They'd it's like, are we are we in contact? Obviously, your head cannon helps, but it's like just going on what we've seen. It's like, is the Federation aware that the, that the Bajoran occupation is going on and doing nothing about it? Like, that's kind of wrong. Um, well, yeah, as you said, though, the occupation wouldn't be happening at the moment, so... But, no, but I'm saying if we know about the Bajorans and the Cardassians now and in 30 years the occupation starts and the Federation obviously does nothing about it because the occupation runs for 70 to 90 years and then we come in on the back end, that makes the Federation look ineffectual and gross mm. for not helping. Whereas it's like if we only met the Cardassians, say, just prior to next generation starting because obviously that, you know, um, O'Brien... That, that's what, 60 years? Yeah, O'Brien had to be, you know, on the Rutledge during all those skirmishes and that kind of thing. At least that's the Federation only being exposed to Cardassia and, and Bajor at that time on the, on the back end of the of the occupation and then they're trying to do whatever they can to help, like when we meet Ensign Rowe and all that kind of stuff. And then also I double down in terms of the DS9 pilot when Bashir's there, he's like, oh, we're on the outskirts. We're in the wilderness. This is frontier medicine, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, is it if we've been in contact with the Cardassians for the last 120 years? So I'm like, I get what they're doing, but I don't like it. Yeah. I, I, I would have preferred to see a couple of other languages on there that didn't. They got so other, other stuff so right. I was like, oh, I feel like they should have done their research just a smidge on there or given us as sweaty fans a little more information to put it in context. Like, because your head cannon... It tracks. It would track, but it's like they need to give us that. That's yeah. their, if, if, if they're going to introduce something, it's their responsibility to to give it as, as a whole concept. Because yeah, like where I got my head cannon from on that was like on Enterprise, they got like the uh, Vulcan database. So they knew like, they had a lot of languages and stuff in their database and they knew about a lot of different cultures. Yeah. So I'm thinking that they have 
managed to get a database from some other cultures and it happens to mention them. And Uhura's got it in her pad because of the languages and she's studying different languages. That's that's where I got it from. Yeah, but and that if they'd said and that... They just sort of had to mention it. If they said that in the episode, I would 100%... But that was like my negative point for the episode. Yeah, yeah. If they put, if they put that headcanon in in the episode, stamp seal delivered, not a problem. But just to leave that little thread there makes me go... And we're streaming, so you can have run the episode as long as you want, really. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So at this point of the episode, I'm like, we're almost halfway through and we don't have Mariner live action yet. What's going on? Yeah, and obviously we only really saw, well, I only really saw images of her on the transporter pad prior Mm. to the episode. So I'm like, oh, maybe it's just right at the end. We just get a little spot from her. Because, yeah, I'd forgotten that um, Tawny Newsome was an actual actress. Like... Yeah, I've seen her in in uh, Space Force, but I'd kind of forgotten that they were the same person. So I was like, oh, maybe because she's just a voice actress, they didn't want to put her on set. But then, boom, we get yeah, because apparently there's only enough of that feronium left for a single trip back through the portal. They activate the portal, and then Mariner comes through, <laughs> and the look on Pike's face, mm. it was just like, Ugh. yeah, he played it really well. But then she asks, like, is Uhura here? <laughs> Straight up. I thought that was funny as. Yeah. Anyway, they go back up to the ship and they're in the conference room. And she mentions the bell rights. Did you pick that up? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And then I figured you would. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then Una has that little sort of thing on the back end of it. She's like, have you noticed their references are really specific? Yeah. Just talk us through the bell rights if you've got any information on that, Maddie. Uh, oh, just memory. Just, just memory. Just that episode from uh, season three, two part of past tense, where Dax, Cisco, uh, and Bashir are all sent back in time to 1990 something or other. Yep. And then there's the bell rights, um, the sanctuary system in, I want to say, San Francisco. Um, maybe LA. The thing is, um, in this episode, there are so many references to other Trek series. It's great. Mm. Like, there's a lot to digest. And I'm pretty sure I would have missed some, and Maddie's probably missed some as well. Well, yeah, I obviously missed some Voyager ones, if you've got some more Voyager ones Yeah, I think up. I've got another one written down. But, um, but yeah, like, just the the way that Mariner sort of... And it felt very real to the animated show, the way they make random specific references like that. Like, the conversation that Boimler and Mariner had... Felt very uh, lower decks. Yeah. But then it didn't make... I think they, they rode the line really, really well where Strange New Worlds, like, they didn't make the Enterprise crew look weird and ineffectual because as much as Boimler and Mariner were kind of, I guess, in a way, poking fun at... They're from 120 years in the future. <laughs> like, yeah, as much as they were kind of poking fun in a loving way by... Hotspot, they, 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 talk, they talk really low, blah, blah, blah. It's like the Strange New Worlds cast were giving it back by saying they talk so fast in really specific references and stuff like that. And that didn't feel out of place for Una to be saying that either. Like no. it just they, they found a really, really great mix where everyone felt believable and it, it wasn't like, um, what are they, what's that term, like punching down or anything like that. They were just having this fun sort of back and forward. But you know what I would like to see for the future in a Lower Decks episode? Mm. I would like to see them come across Pelia. That could be fun. Like, she, it's only 120 it's, years away. Yeah, it's possible. Like, she's already 2,000-something years old. So yeah, yeah like, true. That unless, would be really, really cool. Unless Pelia dies at the end of this season. Oh, don't do it. Don't do it. I but reckon yeah. that's going to be their, their thing, as I reckon 
Just killing off engineers all the time. Well, just, I mean, she may go back to Starfleet or whatever, but I just reckon next season we'll get a different um, engineer again. I think this is going to be their, their rotating thing. Okay. Because Pelly has been very much like Hammer in that. She hasn't been in every episode. Um, she only has minor parts. Yeah. And yeah, she's only like listed as a, as a guest star. Yeah, well, she was only in this episode um, for maybe you know, 45 seconds. Yeah. So. Um, and she wasn't even, was she even in last week's episode? Can't even remember uh, now. Yeah, but yeah, she's only. It looks like she's only going to do maybe four, five episodes max, which is kind of what Hammer did. Um, so, oh yeah, she was in last week's episode because that's right. There was the whole talk of her and Hammer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like she just kind of comes and goes. So she'll either okay at the end of the season she'll either go back to Starfleet, or um, she'll be dead. Yep. Well, they still haven't talked about her brooch yet either. So I hope they yeah, give us some true. sort of explanation for that. Mm. So Mariner's uniform, right? In obviously lower decks, she folds up the sleeves. Yeah, she right? goes full O'Brien. She does. But so in this, when I was watching the ready room, uh, Tony Newsom said that the sleeves themselves on the actual live action uniform, mm. they weren't folded up. They were actually just made that way. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was cool. Less fabric. Yeah. I well, that was, that was, I remember that was something that Colin Meany introduced specifically is he hated the Trek uniforms. Um, so by rolling them up, he, he's, he's in university and he's like, well, O'Brien's an engineer. He needs his hands free to, to tinker and do those kind of things. Um, he wanted pockets, but they wouldn't give him pockets. Doesn't um, he have like a pocket with a pen in it? No, only, um, uh, Torres had that with the, the big engineer's jacket. Yeah, that, maybe. Um, that yeah. covered her, her real life pregnancy in uh, season four. Um, but yeah, he, that was his way. Like, cause, uh, Robert Picardo has spoken about with that sort of jumpsuit, like that era jumpsuit. Uh, if you sit down too fast, you get a wedgie. Um, so by O'Brien being able to roll up his sleeves, it just gave him just a little more movement and not getting wedgies and stuff when he sat down. Did you notice though, that when Mariner was sitting down at the conference room table, she's just like touching things, like rubbing her hand around the table. Mo- yeah, there was that. My, <laughs> my favorite one is, and again, it was, it, it's it's the same as when I was saying like with um, what Una was doing with the specific references line is when you see Mariner with Uhura in her quarters, the way she's kind of just curled up in a ball on the chair, I'm like, that's a hundred percent a shot you would see in the animation. Yeah, and I love that it's just it's just her just trying to like contain physically trying to contain her excitement of sitting in Uhura's quarters with her. Um, yeah, yeah, Mariner. I think Mariner was probably MVP for me this episode. Do you notice that when Mariner got up from the conference room table, she did like the pull down of the shirt oh, as the, well? Oh, the uh, Picard Yeah, maneuver. she, she did that. Yeah. I didn't notice that. I was like, yes, this is excellent. I don't know if she deliberately like put that in there or if it just felt natural to do. Well, I guess, yeah, they do wear the two-piece, don't they? With, mm. the, with sort of the, the shirt or the tunic that kind of just like tapers um, at the groin. Um, but yeah, no, I did like the, yeah, just the and the... The squeaky hands on the table yeah. and stuff like that. And Una just being like... Mm. So she asks to help Ahura and suggests that Boimler help Spock as well. Then Spock smiles weirdly and like mm. it was just like, oh God, stop doing it. That's creepy. <laughs> but, you know, Pike was like, oh, what more damage can we do at this point? <laughs> I think you're um, skipping over the most important part of Ooh. this episode, of that scene. Please. Them spending a lot of time talking about hot Spock. <laughs> Well, yeah. so yeah, she Which, wasn't expecting young Spock yeah, to be so to hot. Be so hot, and I mean, we <laughs> said the same thing last week. We noticed that he had a dump truck, uh, like he had a better ass than um, uh, than Chapel. But um, yeah, so I like the fact that they hung a lantern on that because that's also something I think a lot of the real hardcore 
original series fans that that hate on Strange New Worlds, the problem they have with like episode one where you see Spock just like shirtless, like just banging to Pring, they're like, oh no, that's and it's like, well, he's a young man. The actors like fit. Go for it. Yeah, they're, they're paying him. So yeah, it's still still not as gratuitous as um. To Paul and, and uh, Trip in the first episode of Enterprise, just like getting naked and rubbing sparkly gel all over oh, each other. Yeah. So, <laughs> fun times. <laughs> <laughs> so, and as they say in this one, it's tough to meet your heroes, hey? Like, mm. especially like if you've grown up like Boimler and Mariner and like reading these stories and hearing about the history of the, you know, the NCC 1701. And yeah, then you actually get to meet them. That would just be amazing. Mm. Like, it'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> um, Una, sorry, comes into the hallway there, and then Boimler does the speed walk away. Like that—that's that, that's from the perfect. episode as well. It's great. Yeah, that whole scene was perfect. <laughs> and uh, Mariner, like, uh, sorry, Una is like, "What's with that?" Basically, and Mariner's like, "Oh yeah, she's got a—he's got a poster of you." And she, like, Una's just weirded out. Like, yeah, because she even does say, she says, why does everyone look at me like they have the knowledge of, like, my demise? Yeah. And then we as an audience find out, oh, no, he's got to pin up a few in his... But, yeah, and that was... I think and she's was, like, yeah, it's pinned up. <laughs> I think that was the moment in the episode where I realised that I really liked this Mariner. The way she had 7-Eleven, she's like, we're, we're talking about the same thing. Are you not, you know? <laughs> uh, and it was just very... It was, it was played... It's the, it's the quietest I've ever seen Mariner. Like, yeah, so that's when I realised, I was like, oh, I actually really like live-action Mariner. Animated Mariner can still oh, get well, fucked. We'll see. Um, I, I really like both, so. Yeah. Uh, but no, that scene was kind of perfect. Um, now, did did she have, like, a nose piercing in? Who? Um, Mariner. I didn't notice. Yeah, because I, I was like, oh, like, I'm pretty sure the actress has got one. Yeah, right. But I'm like, did did she have it in her nose still and just make up over it or something? Yeah, maybe they tried to put in... Because, yeah, obviously, like, if you take it out, it can heal up pretty quickly. So... Mm, I don't know. Maybe they just... Rather than have, like, a gold or silver one there, maybe they just put, like, a, a little dark-coloured one there and tried to cover it. Yeah. Up and maybe the lighting just hit it in a certain way they didn't notice. Yeah, because I, I was like... I didn't, I didn't notice it. No, maybe, maybe I'm seeing things. <laughs> I Who did knows? notice that Mariner is very tall. Like oh, we, they both... We, yeah. We spoke about last week how... Um, Una is Una is tall. very, very tall. And... and Presumably taller than Pike from what we can tell. Yeah, absolutely. And in this episode, we see a 50-50 shot of Boimler and Beckett and it looks fine. You go, yeah, that's the, their heights kind of even match up to what you see in the show. But then Boimler leaves and then it's a 50-50 with Beckett and Una. And Beckett's almost taller than Una, I yeah. almost want to say. And I'm like... And Boimler's taller than her. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like I wonder if... Cause, and then Boimler didn't seem that much taller than... Pike. So I'm like, I wonder if there's maybe like a little half apple box just in that 50-50 just to sort of meet them up a little bit. I don't know. But yeah, I actually do want to go back and sort of watch that again and just see. Well, later on when we see Boimler with Pelia. Oh, God. Like the height. Like obviously we've spoken about the height difference between uh, Pelia and Una before. Yeah. But it was just like, it just stood out so much more than normal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uhura doesn't know how to have fun, but... Mariner, obviously, Which is what fa- I've been saying since fangirling out. <laughs> the start of this season. Yeah. So that was interesting. But Mariner gets her to have a break because, you know, mm. section 48 alpha dash seven means meal breaks, uh, you know, and it gives her a reason to slack off. Yeah. There's plenty of uh, yeah, sections that allow them to slack off, and apparently. We finally get 
an Erica scene where she's, yes. where she's not at the helm. And drinking in the bar. Yeah, that was such a good scene between those three. Um, so many great little references in there. Uh, aside from the Cardass in Bajor and stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just so good to see. I think I think this might be the first time where Erica has spent more time away from the helm than at the helm. Yeah. And I want to see more of that. Yeah. Then Uhura just dumps that drink straight down her throat, eh? Yeah. I was like, whoa. I'm like, do they have synth hole at this point or is that like actual alcohol? Well, I'm like, guessing it's actual alcohol. Yeah, well, based on last week, because I, I asked that last week and then you just saw like um, Kirk just getting like just the hardcore whiskey and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's any synthol there at this point. No. There's the little reference uh, for Norsicans and the Jamjart table as well. That was very I clever. thought that was good. Just And just, yeah, just the spin on it, just to be like, they always seem to like betting on it and they're not, and they're not even good at it. it. And that's just... <laughs> So clear because it's like it's something that was introduced, I believe, in Next Generation was the earliest reference to it. But then Nog and um, Jake bring it back in Deep Space Nine where they play Darmjot and reference Norsicans and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's just that running gag. We just go, yeah, why? Like, is it a Norsican? A, is it a Norsican game? And B, why? Why are they? Why do they always? Why suck are they at terrible it? at it? Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's a great moment. One of the things that I really like about Boimler's character from the animated side of things mm. is when he does his Boimler scream. I find that hilarious. Mm. I find it rather funny. And I was like, oh, are they going to do it in the live action? This next scene, they really did a bit of a Boimler scream. Oh, is this the him and Spock? Yeah. Art- yeah. When they're trying to artificially make the Feronium. Yeah. And then it blows up and he's like, ah! <laughs> and, that was and, the, and the silly glasses. But they weren't like too silly. No. They were just silly enough. But Spock was like that little bit serious and yeah, not serious, and it, it was it was a good mix. And yeah, and then just like when shit started hitting the fan, Spock just started walking away to take cover, and Boyman was like, "Do we is this, is this okay?" And he's like, "No," <laughs> and just very matter of factly, and so you know, yeah, it was it was pitch perfect. Yeah, the the Boimler scream gets me. Yeah, yeah. it's great. All right, Pelia and Boimler, uh, Boimler relaxing in engineering. So. Oh. Boimler loves the warp cores of ships. Okay. Oh, that's right. There's an episode where they're all like imitating their favorite warp core yes. sound. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so he, that's where he goes to relax to engineering. Mm. So that's where he gets to meet Pelia. And I thought that was pretty cool. It was a good way to bring in Pelia. And it's just that little, like that little reference of Boimler and mm. that, that character trait that he's got loving warp cores and the sounds that yeah. they make. And they put it, they put it in here. I the, thought that was great. The smash cut was a little sort of abrupt. Like just going from the scene in the lab to then just a, a really tight shot on him where you don't know where he is at the, at first. I'm like, I personally would have maybe done an establishing shot first maybe or, or just even had a little bit of boot leather of him walking into engineering or something like that. Because, yeah, it's one of those things where... It would have been great to see him like walking into the turbo lift and turning the handle and things I like mean, that. I mean, even just, just walking into the warp core and just him, you just seeing him immediately relax or something like that and take a moment. Um, I think we'd already got that like Boimler like look of awe when he walked onto the bridge. So I think maybe if they'd have done like another look of awe type of not, thing. Not look of awe, look of relaxation. Yeah. Because you have to understand that not everyone, like especially these days, just because you watch Strange New Worlds doesn't mean you watch Lower Decks. It's true. So you got that moment of relaxation because you know that Boimler character very well. Someone who's never watched Lower Decks before, because a lot of people go, if it's, an, like I know a lot of people who- if I know a lot of people that an, don't watch Lower Decks. Yeah, if there's an animated version of something, they're like, nah, not going to do it. 
because um, they think it's for kids. And it's like, well, if you don't know that about Boimler, you don't know why he's there. So I think just for to tell a, a complete story in this episode, it, it would have it taken one line and it would have taken 15 seconds of actual airtime for them to do it. And given that they don't need to make it second perfect, I think that's a moment they could have added in. Now, I don't watch, say, Rick and Morty, but I heard someone this week say that Lower Decks is sort of made in the same sort of animation style as Rick and Morty. Like, I don't know. I've never watched um, an episode of it. I think the animation style is a little bit better. I yep. would say it's maybe Rick and Morty meets Futurama is what, okay. Lo- is what Lower Decks is. Yep, okay. Um, Lower Decks, I'm oh, sorry, Rick and Morty to me is just a straight rip-off of Futurama. Yeah. <laughs> um, Futurama being much, much better. Um, but yeah, it's not as... Not as crass and, yeah, like, Lower Decks is one of those... Oh, sorry, um, Rick and Morty is one of those shows to me where it's um, it's like... Uh, what's that show? Like Adventure Time and a few others where it's like, oh, we're going to, and hear the air quotes here, intentionally make the animation bad <laughs> so it's cheaper to make and just make it part of the aesthetic. I, I might have a look at Rick and Morty and see how it goes. It, yeah. it's, it's funny. As the show... It's, it's maybe sixth season now or something like that. As it's gone on, all the hardcore fans have seemed to have tapered off on it. But as it goes on, I'm liking it more and more. And yeah, all, okay. all the early episodes that all the hardcores are like, this is peak Rick and Morty. But they're the ones that I can't stand. Um, whereas <laughs> whereas now as it's getting later, I'm like, oh, okay. I can actually kind of get into this into this version. So, yeah, if you've got the time, check it out. But yeah. I do love that the fandoms calm down on it now. So as Boimler is talking to Pelia... Um, Pelly is giving him a bit of life advice and she's like, yeah, fake it till you make it, basically. Uh-huh. And I was like, that is definite Pelly advice. Like, for someone that's been around for so long and lived such a varying space hippie type life, <laughs> like, yeah, fake it till you make it. I thought that was great. Then it goes to the scene in the shuttlecraft, you know. Holy cue. <laughs> oh, I missed that. You missed that bit? Yeah. Oh, so... Because Boimler walks into the shuttlecraft and Mariner's already in there. Because that's one of Mariner's things. She likes to, you know, hide away in shuttlecraft, mm. right? She's like, he's like, holy Q. And she's like, uh, like they haven't met Q yet. Like, keep your voice down. They've kind of got like a Trelane thing going on. So do you remember Trelane from the original series? No. I the Squire of Gothos. I thought episode. it was a reference to the little bald kid. No. Who liked um, Tronya's. But... Yeah, you were telling me off mic that it was some other guy. Yeah, so Trelane is basically a Q character, but they've never ever said that he was a Q. Yeah, right. This episode kind of really alludes to the fact that Trelane was a Q. It's actually an interesting episode to go watch. It's called The Squire of Gothos. Yeah. So, yeah, if you haven't seen the original series for a long time or at all, go watch it. It's, it's very, he's a Q. He's definitely a Q. And that was a nice little reference to bring them together for like the TOS era and next gen type era. I yeah, thought it was cool. Right. So, and then, yeah, they start talking about how, you know, they all talk slowly and quietly. And yeah, then little arm yeah, busts like the them in the stealing the shuttle. Now, this is where I have an issue. Oh, here we go. Where the hell did Laan come from? Wasn't the shuttle bay door closed? Like maybe Laan's just standing back there. How did she? What? Where did she come from? (laughs) Like all you have to do is just leave the door of the shuttle open, and I completely buy it. But but it was totally dark in there, wasn't it? Yeah, and the like 
doesn't these ships? What do they have? The whole tailgate that drops down on the on the yeah, back? I think so. Yeah, yeah, and it was she had something uh, unless her, the whole shuttle so. bay was dark as well. No, but I'm just saying like. And then she snuck the in. The shuttle was closed. Where did Laan come from? Well, what, maybe the saying. maybe the shuttle was still open, and because the whole shuttle bay was dark. Well, no, you could. There was a wall behind her. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I was like, is is like, is there a side door that was open or maybe. something? But I'm. That was the one thing that kind of jumped the shark for me. I was just like, it was a funny moment, but it's like all you had to do is just leave the door to the shuttle open, and that's where Laan comes from. That's not a problem. But who knows? Those shuttles are massive. Like she could have come from anywhere. It could be like a hole in the ceiling that she jumps down. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pike's cooking again. Like every episode, Pike is cooking. I, I don't. I don't want to be. I don't want to be offensive. Oh, go on, but do it anyway. May, maybe it's maybe it's just the cut of those uniforms because I feel like, in particular, Pike's is he getting chunkier because he's eating? Oh no, that's what, that's what's about. He, <laughs> he looks like he's wearing a girdle. Oh, really? Yeah, there was just... His midriff just looked a little odd. Now, I know, like, you see it in... He's on that fat Star Trek money now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see it with Una and um, Uhura. They they tend to be the only ones that wear the dresses. Yes. Like, I don't think we've seen Erica in a dress yet. No. I think we see it in the musical, though. Based on the trailer I've seen, I think Erica, for the first time, was wearing one of the dress uniforms. Well, hmm. not a dress uniform, but a the uni- dress uniform as in, that is a dress. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, they have the black panels down the side. When when they're wearing the dresses, and when they're wearing the shirt and pants, the paneling is still there, but it's just in the in the yellow or the red or whatever it is. And when you see it in Pike, it kind of gives him. It looks like he has nipples in weird spots, sort of where the moment end, like where where the, the the materials meet up. But yeah, just that moment when he walks from where he was when he's walking over, it just his midriff just looked a little bit. It could have just been the shirt bunching. I don't. I don't want to. You know. <laughs> But it just looked a little bit like he was wearing a girdle. Anyway, so Mariner takes the blame for, you know, what's been going on. Yeah. But then she says, like, you know, Boimler doesn't want to be thrown into the brig by someone he dressed as for Halloween. Mm. Now, I'm not sure if this actually happened or not, but in my brain, I actually remember, and it probably, it might not have happened, but in my brain, I remember Boimler dressing as like in the wheelchair thing for a Halloween in an episode. Oh. I, I, like, it could be one of those. Oh, what's that um, that thing called where... Oh, the Mandela effect. Man, yeah, Mandela effect. Yeah. yeah, I'm like... Not Mandela, that's Nelson Ma- Mandela. Sorry, Mandela. Mandela yeah. effect. Sorry. <laughs> like, the, the Mandela effect is where you end up in prison when you shouldn't be. <laughs> but um, you know what? Like, because you're black. It, it, is it one of those things or did it actually happen? Like, I'm yeah. trying to think. In, in my mind, I see a cartoon Pike in the chair, but I also know that's a joke from Futurama. Yeah, no, they all, in, they, in my mind, yeah. I see Boimler dressed as Pike in the chair because then the, she references that they had to do a whole bunch of contouring on the chin and everything. Well, see, to me, that was just because he's so handsome and has such yeah, a, a, lovely, like, oh. a lovely jawline and hair and stuff like that. But then, um, yeah, uh, when they kind of... When Boimler's kind of had enough and he kind of references, he alludes to what we all know about Pike and then them not knowing that Pike knows as well, you see, um, like, he references it and and Mariner kind of, like, cringes and then Pike goes, I know, and then you see um, Beckett kind of, like, even about that and she starts kind of, like, miming the whole chair, which I thought was a really great moment. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know, I know. But, no, the the moment where she says... um, uh, Boimler dressed as you for Halloween, and we had to contour the hell out of his out of his jaw. 
I took that to mean because Boimler has such a weak chin and jawline compared to the statuesque Anson Mount Christopher Pike. Yeah, I'm just like I, I can't like find any reference to it like as I'm googling it now, yeah. but in my mind because I can clearly see it. Hey, yeah, it's weird. because um, Pike seemed to take that as a compliment, and I feel like if if Boimler dressed up as Pike post accident. Um, that's not really a compliment <laughs> that they're paying to him <laughs> at that point. No, but obviously, like, so. yeah, because he knows about what's going to happen to him, and yes. they do mention it as yeah, well. Yeah, but they don't know until until he says that. So, um, so anyway, yeah, that was a fun moment. Yeah, th- then Pike talks about the surprise party and how he doesn't want it to happen because you know this is his first year where he's going to be older than his dad when he died. That was a gut so, punch. That scene. yeah, that was to go from such a. Sort of a wild, fun, goofy and he knows episode, about his future. Yeah. Um, to have that gut punch of, of him talking about, you know, yeah, I would, I would give up any one of those years just to have one more conversation with him and stuff like that. That was really poignant and really, really well done. Mm. Um, and yeah, just came out of nowhere and didn't feel uh, like cheesy or over the top or out of place or too, you know, soppy. It just, it was pitch perfect. It yeah. was so well done. And this is where we start to get a lot of Enterprise references now as well. So, yeah, they talk about how he would feel like on Archer's Enterprise. And then they talk about the grapplers on the NX-01. And La'an's like, I love grapplers. Mm. <laughs> I thought that was great. I kind of wish they'd given that line to Erica. Yeah. And then they, then they talk about the alloy that was in the hull of the Enterprise NX-01 and how there's a part of all previous starships that have been named the same thing that end up in the new one. I'm like, it does track because when you think about it, so think of um, the the ship in in Picard season three, what was it? The Titan, Titan. right? How they had, you know, they took parts from that Titan to put in the new Titan. Yeah, that that was the first thing that I, I thought of when they mentioned it. Yeah. Um, was yeah because remember I was having the conversation about well okay well what parts of the Titan ended up in the Titan A? Um, oh no, it wasn't even the Titan A, was it? It was was it Titan A? It was the Titan A. Yeah, um, yeah, no. So eight hundred one hundred two Alpha. Yeah, I kind of liked that. That was a little a little nod to that because yeah, it's I think prior to that it's never really been a thing, but it's fun to then go back and think about okay, so there was a part of the Enterprise C and the Enterprise D. Well, see, that's the thing. It doesn't always. It can't always be that way. Because the Enterprise C disappeared. Yes. <laughs> the Ambassador class Enterprise C disappeared in through the time portal. And yeah, then they sent it but back. If, so they if, can't have a part for it. Well, I mean... But they, they couldn't have had a part that went into the Enterprise D. Well, um, uh, God, what's her name? Tasha Yar managed to make it to Romulus. So yeah, well, they can't have had a part, um, though. Yeah. There could have been a part of the D in the E, but it sounds like we might not have got a part of the E in the F, <laughs> potentially, depending potentially. on what happened there. And, you know, was there a part of the F that they put into the G? Like, because the G was already a ship. Yeah, true. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of going backwards and I'm like, well, wasn't the A... Didn't the B disappear as well? No, the B was the one that was in the... um. Uh, in generations, the, yeah, the, yeah, but the, the Nexus, and that was kind of the last time we saw it. Where it had the chunk taken. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, like in the lore of Star Trek, the B gets destroyed or disappears somehow as well. Well, I have to look seen, that it's up. It's never seen on screen; it doesn't count. So, um, 
but yeah, no, I think I think it's maybe maybe the the one seven oh one is destroyed in what Star Trek three, two, three, four, yeah, somewhere in there. And then he gets the A in what four or five mm-hmm. or something like that. So yeah, you'd, you'd presume there was nothing left over there. But I feel like they could cheat and just be like, well, from your last um, maintenance overhaul, here's some spare parts that we took off the ship that were technically part of the ship that we can put into the next one. So I feel yeah. like you could probably um, get around it that way. And this is where we start getting like all the other members of the crew with their little fan moments as well. So Ortegas is talking about how she's a fan of Mayweather mm. being the pilot of the ship because, you know, Erica Ortegas is the pilot of the ship. Yeah, it's not an uh, episode of Strange New Worlds unless we're reminded that her name is Erica and she flies the <laughs> ship. Uhura, a fan of Hoshi. I really liked that. That was a good little reference there. Mm. Yeah, because, yeah, everyone's like, Uhura's the best translator, but then it's great to hear, like, the best translator talking about Hoshi as well. I thought that was yeah, cool. Yeah, because Hoshi was criminally underused in that series. But then at that moment, though, you could see that they were acting like the fans, like Boimler was of them, Yeah, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, so Mariner tells... Uhura, she is like basically a poster girl or Una. a poster woman. Ah, uh, yeah, sorry, Una. Where she tells that she's a poster girl for Starfleet. Yeah, and they bring up the Ad Astra per Aspera on the poster, which yeah, that was gave great. Me, gave me goosebumpies and little sort of watery eyes. That was a really great moment. Just the the the, the genuine nature that sort of Una had with it. Just the the taken aback at. <gasps> Oh my god! Like, given that, yeah, like and that makes Una happy. A though. couple of months ago, she was on trial for you know being herself. Mm. Uh, so to think that then, yeah, you know, flash forward and she's a she's a poster child for for um, recruitment. Yeah, that's that's great. That was a really really wonderful moment. And that that makes me wonder though, like, is it still widely known in the future that Una is an augment? Yeah, hard to know. Because I'm, obviously this is after DS9 as well. Yeah. Like Hopefully, in the future where Boimler is. I'm hoping that the way we can get around this whole thing... Do they start to accept that, augments? No. Well, obviously they don't by by DS9 standards. Well, because Lower Decks is after I'm aware, DS9. but if you stop cutting me off and let me finish my thoughts... Sorry. I will say... Speak. ...that <laughs> I'm hoping something that they brought up in, in Ad Astra Perspera is that she's not human. No. So I'm obviously by DS9 time, humans who are genetically engineered are still illegal. Okay. But I'm hoping, based on the great arguments that they had in that episode, in Ad Aspera, um, that you can be genetically engineered as long as you're not a human. As long as you're not a human and that's fine. That's accepted because Ooh. that's part of your culture. So I'm hoping... That the Federation would be as open because I'd never, I'd never considered. That's a really that. good way of looking at it, actually. Yeah, I'd never considered that argument, especially. And we spoke about this in in episode two. It's like I had never considered that argument. Um, back watching Deep Space Nine, it was like, nope. If you're if you're genetically engineered, you can't be in Starfleet. That's just, and that's fine because of Khan. But then when you realize, yeah, they brought up they did that. Well, Una's not human. She, it, it's part of her culture and. And yeah, just because, and I said it in the episode, just because humans suck at genetically engineering doesn't mean other cultures don't. So I'm, I'm hoping that is enough of a sort of loophole that it doesn't sort of contaminate the timeline in terms of what we, we've seen in the past, which is the future and all that kind of oh, stuff. Mate, so. that's a really cool way of looking at it. And I didn't think of it that way. That's really cool. Mm. 
All right, Spock does his Vulcan salute to to Boimler as he beams down to the planet. I thought that was cool. That and then was cute. Boimler and, yeah. does it. And you saw that in the trailer as well. Oh, did you? I didn't see that. Yeah, part. no, it was in the trailer. Um, and yeah, I think if you're if you're a Spock sweaty and you go back in time and Spock does... I think Marin is a bit of a Spock the, sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit of a sweaty for this Spock. A bit of Ethan Peck. I, I wouldn't say no. Um, but yeah, like if you're, if you're in universe or out of universe, if Spock doesn't live long and prosper to you, you would react the exact same way Boromley did. Where he's like, because uh, 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 I literally did the same thing. I can't even do it. My fingers don't really? go like I that. Can, yeah, I can't do it. I can, I've got... No, I can't do it. Yeah, wow. Um, apparently, if you start that way, it helps. If you start by, instead of separating... Even do that. Instead of separating <laughs> your fingers width, if you just take either your your middle two or that's your end two... You can't even do that. Like I could do that. Yeah. Okay. So that's how you start. So you can say, if you like pointing a gun, like how a kid does with his thumb up and his and his two fingers okay. pointed out, and you've you've curled in your two fingers. Okay. Now just try and put your fingers at like the bottom two fingers at ninety degrees, and that's how you can start working your dexterity. It's probably because I've had so many broken fingers in my life. I don't know. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I couldn't do it. Um. But yeah, no, I love the fact that he kind of just fumbled because I, I did the same thing when I met Kate Mulgrew. Like I stood in line for half an hour to meet her to get a photo with her. And I was like, hi, hi, hi I'm here. I'm from Australia. For Australia, Australia. She's like, oh, you've come all this way to see me. And I'm like, oh, because I didn't want to seem like a crap. I'm like, no, no, just here for like, I was a fumbling mess <laughs> in this 30. You've never told me this story. Oh, really? No. It was just in this 30 second interaction that I had with her um, to then sort of, hi, hi, I'm from Australia here, I'm um, hi, uh, one, two, three, click, and then it was over. And then the picture got printed out, and then maybe a couple of hours later, I had to go and, like, you could line up, and then she could sign it. Um, and I was like, okay, this is going to be my moment where I'm actually going to use words, and I'm going to be really articulate. But at that point, the line was three times as long, and she was just in business mode. She was just like... You didn't even get icons. She was just head down, sign, flick, sign, flicks. Like you would just slide the thing in. She'd sign it and flick it out because she must have been there for three hours just signing things. I don't know how her hand held up. The only time I saw her like pop her head up was when someone had like a, a handmade charcoal drawing of her that they slid in front of him. She was just like, oh my God. And then looked up and spoke to the artist about it and stuff like that. But Mate, when I met... Um Dr. Janet Fraser from Stargate. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, I was waiting in line for like an hour. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> one, whatever. But like, as I was waiting in line for an hour and then I got to her, she was like, oh, thanks for waiting so long. And I was like, oh, it was totally worth it. And mm. as like she put her arm around me for the photo, I turned to face her and she planted a kiss straight on me. Hey? <laughs> I was like, yes. Inappropriate. Very inappropriate, but it was great. And I was what, 20 fucking two, I think at the time. Okay, so I right. thought it was excellent. Um. The Orions are back on the planet. Yeah. Right. And yeah, they're there. So. Oh, because Boimler had um, contacted them via the shuttle. Yes. That was all felt a little bit weird to me. The whole, the grain and the people on set like two and, and it didn't really matter at the end of the day. No, it's it didn't. Like we traded the grain to the Orions. But for if they the didn't thing. get the grain, it probably would have really messed those people up on the planet. So did they get the grain back? They Is got the grain back. That yes. was part of the agreement yes. at the end. So it's the agreement was that they got the grain back and the Orions got the credit, credit for, discovering. for discovering it, which they were really happy about. And it looked like they were like, well, yeah, maybe we are scientists. Yeah. And then they went away happy that they're scientists. Yeah. No, that's so, good. Cause I remember the moment, like there was obviously the moment that, the one scene that Pelia had earlier on in engineering where she talks about, it's like 
that grain specific for that planet it only works for these people. It's a thing. And then Boimler's all upset because he's like, well, if we don't get it, then they're going to have to be relocated and he's fucked the timeline, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I was I, – I, yeah, in the end, I guess it was just a, a real sort of even a C-plot at that point. But, yeah, it was just their way to rectify the, the timeline. Yeah, they, they were just closing off all the loops in the yeah. episode. Because you know how sometimes you watch shows and they don't close everything off and you're like, oh, like, yeah. are we going to close this off later? And they never do. Yeah, except for that cut-ass in Bajoran on the pad. Yeah, everything well, else they did, they did well. They did quite well. Anyway, yeah. So history will now say that Orion scientists discovered the portal. Yeah, which is great. So then, so Tendi being offended is <sighs> technically she needs to get off. Oh, her I, horse. I think Tendi doesn't realize that. No, obviously her grandmother, not. But yeah, it's just one of those. It's just one of those things where she still know, knows how to pirate. It's like what they <laughs> say. Um, uh, was it history is written by the victors and all that yeah. kind of stuff? It's just like yeah, but obviously it had that knock on effect where. You know, because of stuff like that happening, that made Tendi think she could become a Starfleet officer and a scientist. So, yeah, yeah, that was a really important moment. Boimler and Mariner are directly responsible for Tendi joining Starfleet, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you think about it (laughs) as like a a grandfather paradox, like you assume Mm. that this always happened. This was always part of history. Yep. Um, and they closed the loop on that grandfather paradox. So it's like, yeah, that's that's, that's the reason Tendi's there. Timelines. Yeah. So, no, that was great. But, yeah, it's obviously just like I, I just I just wish they hadn't been the line about her being offended. Like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that they open the portal again and Rutherford and Tendi are on the other side and they're almost about to jump through, I reckon. Mm. And they're like, no, no, no. And yeah, then just go. They do. And then, yeah. Then they, they're back on the Cerritos. Well, just before that, they did basically inadvertently tell La'an to go fuck herself because it was La'an's, La'an and Pike were the only two that beamed down with them. Yep. Um, t- uh, Mariner was like, nice to meet you, Captain, and walked through. Um, then Boimler had a moment with Pike as well. Nobody bothered with La'an. They just <laughs> went through the portal and went, fuck that chick. I would love to have seen Mariner do the sarcastic Vulcan salute as she went back <laughs> through. That would have been great. I would have lost it at that point. But yeah, they go back onto the Cerritos and we see the poster that yes. they're talking about with Ad Astra Perispera on it. Yeah. Right? Ransom sees the poster and he's like, yeah. This is possibly the best Easter egg exactly. in the entire show. Yeah, I'm going for it there. So, yeah, he's talking about how hot she is. Uh, the hottest number one yep. in Starfleet history from the number one who's married to that number one in real life. Yep. That is... That was great. So fucking good. I, I do remember when we first found out about the uh, animated episode, I was really hoping that we would get a ransom and Una moment, given that those two actors are married and are married, life. yeah. Um, but yeah, this this is as close as we got, and that's fine. I'm happy with that. Then we go back to the animated en- Enterprise, which mm. I thought was cool, and they're drinking uh, the Orion Hurricanes because they got some of the Orion we well, yeah, whatever that particular weird name. Uh, alcohol and then they're like oh we feel so two-dimensional <laughs> i thought that was great and spock's arm does this mean that retroactively everything that's happening in lower decks looks like that because everybody's drunk on <laughs> but, oh i never thought of that <laughs> yeah they're all they're all drunk they're all just on, drunk um, all the time uh on orion uh, drinks yeah orion and hurricanes that's, and that's why they look like that so overall i absolutely loved this episode like yeah. I, I had been looking forward to it for a long time and like, I was excited about it. I don't think you were so excited about it to begin with. Oh, I'm not as big a Lower Decks fan as you. So I was like, mm-hmm. um, So I went in 
with kind of zero expectations, I'm like, let's just see what happens here. And I was very pleasantly surprised. I think it feels like a bit of a knock to say that it's my second favorite episode of the season behind Ad Astra. I think it's almost like a tied for first place. Just in, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, in, tied for first. Because they're very different episodes. Like Ad Astra was a very serious, poignant episode. This was very fun and goofy. And I mean, some of my favorite episodes of Star Trek are the goofy, fun ones. Like Trials and Tribulations, Bride of Chaotica, you know, um, when when Trek has fun with stuff as well. Um, so yeah, this this and Ad Astra are definitely my top two of um, of the season. So it's interesting looking at IMDb at the ratings. So Ad Astra per Aspera is an eight point six, and oh, I feel like that's dropped. I feel like it was nine the other week. Yeah, it might have been. Well, this these old or those old scientists is a nine point three. Yeah. So like it is very very popular, um, and I'm happy with that because it did it showed. It had so many little Easter eggs for Trek fans, mm. and I th- I feel that it probably brought in a few lower decks fans didn't, to watch it as well. Didn't you say you had some little Voyager? Um, oh yeah, eggs? I thought there was a Voyager one. Um, maybe I missed nah, it. See, that's what I feel like. It didn't get didn't get a lot of love. Although I feel like um, it's a kind of part and parcel because I saw a tick like uh, Star Trek have a official TikTok now. And they did a little montage of like um, all the captains doing this this new thing that Trek's trying to put with like their signature oh, in, engage what me make it blah. And they did a they did a full montage of everybody: Pike, Picard, um, this Spock, um, uh, the captain from Lower Decks, like Janeway. Everybody except Cisco, every because he's the only one that didn't didn't get it. He like. Uh, Picard, Cisco, and Janeway all used Engage, but Janeway would f- switch it up sometimes and do it was one of her sort of go What would yours be, Maddie? We've had this conversation. I have no idea. I would just be an Engage person. Yeah, I reckon I'd probably be like an Engage or a Send um, It. No, absolutely. Uh, s- would send It would probably be when I'm firing torpedoes, I reckon. Ew, send that, It! <laughs> that sounds like some fucking Minecraft shit. No, 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 no. Um, but yeah, so... Even though Picard technically was like like engage is the official word to, to use, that was his thing. I, f- I feel like what they should have done is his should be make it so. Because I feel like I would I would just, I would attribute I mean it's the name of fucking podcast I would and the name of his his book I would oh, attrib- it's making it so yes. which is our show and his yeah. book is called making it so I'm like you stole it <laughs> so I would attribute make it so to Picard before I would attribute engage. So I'm like, I want to have a conversation with whoever's running the Star Trek TikTok account and say, how dare you fucking forget about the emissary like that and not give him a moment. And then the same with this episode. How dare you give everybody shout outs except for Voyager? I'm like, oh. Well, I had the hollow camera thing. That was enough. <sighs> that wasn't enough. <laughs> Not but enough. overall, anyway, great episode. Yeah, I loved it. Super fun. I've watched it twice now. Yeah, Maddie loved it. Yeah, you know, and mm. yeah, I thought that was yeah that was. I wasn't expecting Maddie to like it as much as he did. I yeah. wasn't expecting to like it that much either. I will put a pin in it and say I don't think the musical episode is going to uh, hold up as well as this episode does. Yeah, that really has me worried. So obviously, like. What was it? it was Buffy that had that musical episode, which I believe you love that though, don't you? And I believe yes, I have the soundtrack. I know every single word of that that episode and the songs verbatim. I can put that CD on my car and sing the entire thing from start to finish. I'm a musical kid. I did like five musicals in high school. See, I'm I, a musical. Kid. I'm not a musical person at all, but I liked uh, Doctor Horrible Sing Along Blog. 
And I really that, love... Um, that is the one Joss Whedon property I cannot finish <laughs> is Dr. Horror. Oh, I love it. It's so good. It was made, I want to say maybe... It was made during the writer's strike. Five or six years after the Buffy musical because I just did, just did both. The Buffy musical, mwah, chef's kiss, perfect. Dr. Hopper will sing along. I still don't know how it ends. I can't make it through oh, really? that thing. Um, and then I've also been burned. You probably don't watch them, but the Arrowverse, all the um, Arrow and Flash. Yeah. All this, they did a bunch of musical episodes. They did. I didn't. I think I stopped watching terrible, it before that happened. Terrible. And then um, another CW show, Riverdale, uh, the Archie. Oh, yeah. I've seen a lot of that. Yeah. They did a bunch. They've done a they bunch did, of musical yep. episodes as well, which are terrible as well. So, But then again, I, li- I like things like Pitch Perfect. I thought that was a great, yeah, great yeah, no, movie. No, I love that kind of stuff. I'd, if it's if it's a Pitch Perfect or it's, if it's a Buffy's Once More with Feeling, I will be over the fucking moon. But I'm worried that it's going to be more like a CW Riverdale musical based on the trailer. Like, like Pitch Perfect is one of my guilty pre- pleasures to watch that. <laughs> like it's one of those movies I can just chuck on in the background. Yeah, they they got progressively worse, but the first one was good. <laughs> um, but yeah, like if I hadn't seen the trailer, I'd be like, I'd be like, it's going to be Buffy. It's going to be good. They they pulled off the um, the crossover animated episode. They've done really really well. But after having seen the trailer, I'm I I'm not confident that it's going to be good. Okay. But I guess we'll find out next week. Yeah, well, the, yeah. Oh, it's not next week. It's the week after next. <sighs> well, no, because we've already watched episode eight. I, well, I'm assuming we're, we're uploading this Oh, we are going to upload this. <laughs> yeah, we have, to, we have to upload this and um, <laughs> yeah, Under the Cloak under of the cloak War this of week, War. so we're going to be in time for next week. Correct. So, so yeah, so uh, this time next week, we'll have watched uh, the musical episode. Subspace Rhapsody. I'm I'm concerned. But anyway, the next episode uh, for us to record is Under the Cloak of War. Which we're going to record in about four minutes' time. Yes. So. So I just need to get up and stretch the old legs. But can anyway, Matty, probably as well. Mm. Where can we find you on socials, my friend? Uh, on Let's Insta- get it right this time. I need to... Sl- oh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> just doing the, the, the... Just warming up the mouth. The lip warm-up. I should have done this before we started the podcast. Uh, <laughs> on Instagram, <laughs> at HighPitchMatty, H-I-G-H-P-I-T-C-H-M-A-T-T-Y. And you can find myself on Instagram and Facebook at Geek in Camo. Until the next episode, we will catch you later, girls, guys, and Janais. Well I thought Maddie was going to get angry at me then. I thought we were going to forget it. Yeah, no, I didn't forget I actually wrote it down Excellent. in my book, so I don't forget it. Bye. Get into geek.